Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Glory. Yes? How come every time I curse you give me such a hard time? Because you're not supposed to curse, Mom. Why not? Because you're just not supposed to. Who told you that? My knowledge. My noggin did, Mom. Hi, I'm your host, Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. Today, we are talking about language and how a focus on language can both empower and oppress our children. Today, I am joined by three masters of language, readers, writers, mothers, Issa. Say hi, Issa. Hi. Disha. Hello. And Bossy. Did I say your name right? Yes. Yay! I'm so proud of me. I'm so proud of me. We like to start the podcast by telling like one word to describe how you're feeling right now. So, Issa, how are you feeling right now? Generous. Relieved. Tired. Tired. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So why don't we start by just telling the audience a little bit about yourself. We can make it short and sweet. So Issa, you can start. So my first name is Issa, I-S-S-A. Um, I like to say that um, the beautiful Issa Rae, although she has popularized my name, I was here first. <laughs> I'm older. Thank you very much. Um, last name Mas, M-A-S. And I am a black and Latina woman who parents through the lens of trying to constantly swim upstream against the uh, sort of conditioning of my parents and of my um, sort of cultural conditioning as a 46-year-old woman. Um, My son is 12. He is exceptional in really amazing ways. And he is exceptional in ways that makes me want to just die. (laughs) Um, because he drives me insane Um, I pulled him out of regular schooling and I have been homeschooling him since this September for myriad reasons that we can get him to we'll get into all of it we're gonna get into all of it Um, but that's me in a nutshell that's me in a nutshell yeah so my name is Disha Filia and I am a biological mother an adoptive mother my youngest child Um, we adopted at two weeks She's two weeks old. Um, they are now almost 21 and almost 16. So this is, I know, like this is a very uh, wild phase um, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I co-parent um, with their dad, who is my um, ex-husband, and we have a congenial relationship. Um and right now, I think Bossy's word is how I kind of subs- kind of would describe myself as a parent right now, kind of tired and uh, often waiting for the other f- shoe to drop. I almost mm. said the other foot to drop. That would be horrible. Mm. The foot dropped. It can feel kidding. that way. It can feel that but, way. But, you know, like when it, it's almost like too quiet, like when they were toddlers and it's quiet, you're like, what are you doing? Same thing. It doesn't change when they're, mm. you know, uh, when you're parenting teens and adults. Because uh, you will parent an adult. For anybody who's listening, don't think it ends at 18. <laughs> <laughs> true talk. That's, true. that's that's for real. Um, hi, I'm Bassi. I'm a writer. And I am the reluctant parent of a 12-year-old boy going on 13. Um, he's an amazing kid. Uh, he's a pure 12-year-old. In that, um, I, I think a, a lot of people talk often about how fast kids are growing up, mm-hmm. and he's very much twelve years old, um, and he's into all the twelve-year-old seventh-grade things. Um, it's difficult for me because I was never someone who wanted to be a parent, um, so learning how to 
to do that and 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 unlearn the things that I learned from from my upbringing um, has been a challenge for me. Um, but he seems to be okay so far. <laughs> I haven't broken him yet. Um, but also parenting from um, as somebody who lives with a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, has been challenging mm-hmm. and I think that he's had to deal with a lot more than most kids his age, which is why I'm also very grateful that he is 12 and and not like 12 going on 30, just 12. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so today I like, I was thinking about something for you guys to reflect on in your parenting. And I was thinking like, what is, what comes easiest to you? about parenting like what is something you do in parenting that like just comes really easy to you <laughs> what do you think Isa? Um, I think affection comes easy to me mm-hmm. um, I'm lucky that even though I grew up in a time and a culture and a space that didn't afford me a lot of affection mm-hmm. a lot of physical affection somehow or another I'm able to give that to my kid you know you hear a lot about parents who were starved from physical affection, they're not really able to give. My kid probably would like if you kiss me one more time, woman. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna call CPS because this has got to be abuse at this okay. point. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just you know a and it's not just physical. Mm-hmm. It's also the verbal. Like I don't know where. Hey, I love you. I love mm-hmm. you too. Um, I'd like to think, and this might be just me t- telling myself what I need to do to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Boss said, sometimes. Being a parent with a mental illness, I have um, depression. Mm-hmm. I've suffered with uh, clinical depression, major depressive disorder for going on 19 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think that when, when you come up against your own sort of issues in parenting, mm-hmm. you, you make a lot of mistakes. And regular quote unquote normal parents get to make mistakes and that's fine but mm-hmm. when you're have a depression or like with boss she has you know bipolar or whatever it is anxiety whatever mm-hmm. you blame the thing mm-hmm. it's like oh I, if I was just not this thing I'd be such a great parent mm-hmm. um, and I think that showing him how much I love him to me mitigates any fallout mm-hmm. from being this less than perfect parent in my own mind making sure that he knows mm-hmm. he's loved mom messes mm-hmm. up she makes mistakes she's mm-hmm. human she may be a little too human mm-hmm. she loves me mm-hmm. um, and I think that at the end of the day almost all can f- be forgiven if mm-hmm. you know that you're really well and truly loved right true mm-hmm. yeah that is yes yeah so I think my parenting superpower might be <laughs> trusting my kids mm. And I'll give an example. And so in in some ways, it's kind of practical. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, they have a lot of freedom to do and try things. And I try to be hands off and let them, you know, um, make mistakes and um, figure things out on their own and explore stuff. But I think that started um, when they were both almost two and I started teaching them how to cook. And it started as a very practical thing because I started figuring if they learn how to cook, I could sleep in because then they can always, <laughs> if you can make eggs, you can live. Um, <laughs> so seriously, <laughs> eggs are a meal. <laughs> and so I stood them both on a chair and taught them how to cook. And I remember with Taylor, my oldest, the new, you know, the mommy friends yeah. were like horrified and they were like, well, what do you, like, aren't you afraid she might burn herself mm-hmm. or she might, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, I'm teaching her at the same time how to safely use the stove. And, you know, and I trust that, you know, she'll she'll figure it out. And they're like, but what if, um, you know, she touches the, the burner? And I said, well, I'm teaching her not to touch the burner. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but what if she touches it anyway? I said, then she won't touch it again. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. She touched it one time and she never needed to t- touch it again. And so it's that trust that, our kids pretty much have everything they need. Mm-hmm. We just get in the way mm-hmm. sometimes. And mm-hmm. just trusting them to not be perfect, just mm-hmm. like we aren't, mm-hmm. but to learn from the times when they do mess up. Mm-hmm. I mean, go ahead, tell me, Bossy. Um, I, I, I often feel like I'm out of my depth when it comes to conversations about parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, because the dynamics 
the dynamic within which I parent is so vastly different than most people um, for a number of reasons. But I think when it comes to what comes easy to me, um, the plus side of parenting with a mental illness is I'm very tuned into his emotions. Um, I, I, I know when I need to take the discipline down a notch because he's internalizing it and it's turning into a conversation about, or he's hearing a conversation about how he is as a person, as opposed to the thing that he did that he's in trouble for. Um, uh, when he was very, very little, when he was five, uh, that's when Trayvon Martin was killed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started noticing that there was a potential for an anxiety issue because of the way he reacted to it. So I, I've, I've been very, for better or worse, very protective of him um, and removing him from things that would cause his anxiety. Um, things that I noticed in him that I wish people would have noticed in me when I was when I was a kid. Um, so being able to do that, I think, is 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 where I am the strongest when it comes to. That. I mean, I didn't share the word I was thinking about, like how I'm feeling right now. But it's kind of—I don't even know if I have words for it. It's kind of like being in like a master class or something. Like I am feeling, oh my goodness, like I don't know the word for it. But I imagine like when philosophers are sitting around in a circle with other philosophers and they know they're just about to just do that. Like just, we're just going to have some kind of like mind ninja (laughs) and are you ready? And I'm bringing my A game, bring yours and let's just do it. That's how I'm feeling right now. I don't know the word, but that's, that's, that's it in a, like a, um, I'm like, I'm feeling it's a movement. You guys can't see it at home, but I'm doing it right now (laughs) because everything you shared that is like, comes easy to you is the hardest part oh, how of parenting oh, how free children. That like everything you said, the trust, the love, the in-tuneness, the being authentic with who you are with them, like that's the hardest shit. And um it comes easy to you. So let's <laughs> So we're gonna like, you know, we're gonna rap about it. So um when we come in, we ask all parents to do a recollection. And the reason why we do recollections is because I really think it's important to bring our children into this space out of respect for them and to also out of respect for who we were as children, um, trying to connect back to who that person was and how we're feeling. And so today when I was thinking about language and talking about how we use language and how people see language and how we master language and all the meaning that people put to language, I thought about like tools and that language is a tool and that we all learned how to use certain tools, Um, some successfully, some not so successfully, some was taught by our parents, some we just figured it out. People made a lot of judgments about like how we interacted with those tools. And so I asked all of you, or I'm asking you now, um, to think of a recollection of a time when you learned how to use a tool or interacted with a tool Um, and thinking about like as specific a story you can, pushing back as far as you can into your memory um, and just to think about what is the context of using that tool and how, you know, what it meant to you. So Issa, does anything come to mind for you? You know, it's interesting. um, The I don't know what this is. This is like an emotional Rorschach test, I guess. Um, The first thing I thought of was aggression, right? So I was born and bred right here in New York City in the 70s and the 80s by um, an old school black ass cop who um, he died a couple of years ago from uh, the effects of 9-11. He was a first responder and he was real, just real, real. Um, and I was his only child and he was determined that I make it out of what he saw as a constant cesspool around him. So he taught me really early. Now this is transformative, right? So you've got this little girl in the seventies being taught that her voice matters, that she can stand up to people and that she can be aggressive at any point in time. Female children are taught to shrink They're taught to mind their tone. They're taught to mind their language. My father taught me, you look at a grown-ass man in the eyes and you tell him, I'm not fucking doing that. Back the fuck up. 
and the presence to embody that at two, three, four, five, six, seven years old. Um, it's something that I think is cultural. I don't think many white families impart that mm-hmm. sort of blessing of aggression on their female children. Um, people talk about the angry black woman, the angry Latina. It's a gift in a way, because I was able to navigate the city streets of New York City in the, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. I was built like Beyonce, man. I got a booty that don't quit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teen centaur, you know what I'm saying? Like, 13, 14 years old, it was booty from the front, booty from the back, like that, you know what I mean? So, and I learned how to walk through the streets, like, y'all not, you not touch, you not even looking at me. Mm -hmm. You knew that, that, Mm -hmm. not that one. and and how to embody that in a way that I was still able to retain myself and not lose myself in the fury of that aggression. Um, it's a very strange thing to be thankful for. Um, but even in this day, I embody it in a way in which I don't. I might not have to be scrappy and fight, um, but I will still stand up for myself and the people that I love. Um, and anybody who knows me knows if anything is good for it's standing up for the people who don't. Who, who are afraid to speak, mm-hmm. I'll do that. I'll stand in front of you and I'll speak for you and I'll I'll take the hits because mm-hmm. um, I was learned to do that by somebody who was impeccable with their word. Thank you. Yeah. So returning to the cooking thing, because <laughs> yeah. uh, that's also the tool that came to mind. Um, so I was raised in the South and uh, around women that cooked and I wanted to learn how to cook so badly. And my grandmother told me, I can't teach you how to cook, but you can watch me and you can learn. And so, and she was right about that. So I, you know, I watched and just instinctively, cause you know, they didn't write recipes down. You just had to know how much salt to put in it. And you had to, you cannot ruin food because food is not to be wasted. You had to be good. And so it was a long time. She made me watch a long time before she would let me get into the kitchen. However, I was also a latchkey kid. So that meant that I was home alone a lot. And what my family, I don't think they ever figured it out, is that I would cook when they weren't at home. Um, And I burnt so many pots. And this was before Mm. the age of nonstick, you know, (laughs) whatever that stuff is. Mm -hmm. Um, So if something was burnt, it was burnt. And I didn't have the time or the good sense to soak a pot and scrub it and all of that. So um, I grew up in what people call a shotgun house because if you stand in the front door and shoot you shoot from the front to the back and it was just this little house and it was raised and so when I burned the pots I just threw them under the house (laughs) and so (laughs) no and they what is happening to the pots (laughs) say a word so I I combination of being learned of learning and uh, being taught and also teaching myself how to cook now I'm a really good cook but I had to learn how to fuck up the tools and then eventually learn how to use the tools properly mm, interesting so um English is my second language so I remember very clearly the process of learning English um I also remember having to lose my native language in order to speak English clearly. Um, My parents as immigrants, uh, they had the, um, they had the right idea, wrong execution. Um, They saw how difficult it was for them to, to navigate the world with these accents. So they were very keen on making sure that I did not have one. Um, So they stopped speaking to me in 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 Yakur, our native language, um, and was and were fully all about English. But I learned to speak English, write English, and read English within the same time frame. So language has always been really important to me um, in in the ways in which we use to communicate. So I guess communication is my tool. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah, I think communication more than language is the tool. But but I, I have a lot of respect for the. I heard you say you can like give an interview on a drop of a hat. So <laughs> communication, you still use that tool really well. Yeah, right? I, I, communication is a tool because, I, I again, I do remember moments when I was unable to communicate, mm-hmm. whether it be a language barrier mm-hmm. or an emotional barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at my worst when I'm unable to communicate. If, 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 if ever 
if someone asks me what's going on, are you okay? And I'm unable to speak, that's a huge problem because I'm always able to get to the point where I can tell you the thing. Mm -hmm. So I think communication would be it, that language. When I was thinking about it for myself, I was remembering um, sitting at our dining room table and I come from a Caribbean a Jamaican household and you know eating properly is like a thing and so learning to eat with a knife and fork was like you know like this is part of the training it's part of what you do so you come in and you're like are you using your knife for and I am a a very messy eater I now have children and I have one that is a particularly messy eater and I feel have so much more grace and empathy for my own mother because like I watch her eat and I'm like, like um so I feel it. But at the time when I was a child, it just felt so like besides the point. Like I want to enjoy the food. Like what are we doing? My fingers work really, really well. <laughs> it's going to get the stuff on the fork much more efficiently than that that knife ever will. And so it's something that I kind of struggled with. Um but eventually, never did it the way, like, it never came easy to me. I definitely feel like I can eat with a knife and fork right now, and which is, like, a tool. Like, I go around, people are like, oh, you can eat with a knife and fork. I was like, oh, yeah, everybody doesn't do this. And, like, no, everyone doesn't do this. Um, but I remember, like, I just remember very strongly, like, it wasn't for me. It was for my mom or it was for, like, when we go to grandparents' house or we go, like, it was for the the audience. It was, like, for every, it was performative. It was, like, for everyone else. And something about that felt so much like a disconnect, like, so much about that. Um, I can't, I think there was a resentment around it. It didn't feel, you know, like it wasn't for, yeah, like it wasn't for me. And so when I think about language, um, and the tool of using language, I wonder around, like for you spoke already, Bassi, a little bit about how you re- acquired like the English language and it being your second language. But I wonder for everyone else, because you are all like writers and like m- masters of language. I'm wondering around like, how did you acquire language? Like how did you learn how to, whether it's written language or if you remember like speaking a particular way, um, how did that come to you? Um family lore has it that um, I started talking shit early and just haven't stopped. <laughs> I was really young. Yes. I was really, really, um, they used to call me the old lady. Two or three years old, I would just say shit. They'd be like, where does she even get this shit from? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've probably, I'm a practicing Buddhist and have been for uh, 28 years. And I think that I've just been here for so long. And I think that, that, um, one of the reasons why I'm such a uh, empath and that I feel everything so keenly is that, you know, I've just done it all. I've been the pauper and the prince and the beggar and, you know, um, f- going through all of those l- different emotions feel really visceral uh, to me. And I and I think that language came out early I've just been I talked early I expressed early the first award I got for a piece of my writing I was seven mm-hmm. um and not to brag about you know oh, mm. the first piece no it's just indicative of the fact that I've just not shut the hell up mm-hmm. I came out probably mm-hmm. talking and haven't shut up mm-hmm. and you'll see that you'll see that with certain kids they mm-hmm. just they have something to say man they're mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. to say something and I think that if you distilled what I've been saying for as long as I've been writing it's Let's look at the ways that we are far more similar than dissimilar. Let's figure out the ways that we can support each other um, through this really try, trying experience called life. I mean, there's good shit, right? Mm-hmm. But we have so much more in common than we don't. Let's figure out ways to support each other for that. I've been talking like that for, for a really long time. So where it came from, past lives, <laughs> I don't know. That makes sense. That know. makes sense. So, I don't know if I spoke early or anything like that. Um, I read early, so Mm -hmm. in terms of written language. um, But I remember having kind of like my own language. Mm -hmm. Like my grandmother, I called her Nene, and I I called her Nene until the day she died. I don't know where that came from. And until I was, you know, made to call my mom Mama, I called her Pim Pim, and I don't know why I called her Pim Pim, but... So the early language for me was I'm making the rules of this language and it didn't have to make sense to anybody else but me. Um, 
And then I became, excuse me, like a language conformist. And it was all about, you know, writing to the rules. And, you know, I was a good student in school because I was a very good rule follower. Um, I also read a lot. And so that gave me a lot of facility around language. Um, But it's only been as an adult that I think I've circled back to that whole thing around, like, I'm going to use language the way I want to use language Mm -hmm. and everybody else can take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, you know, this is, I love this experience because I hadn't thought about that in forever, but my beginnings with language were just sort of, you know, doing my own thing. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us. Well, you said that you, when did, I guess... When did you realize that um, you were good at it? So you're talking about coming and Bassi and acquiring the language as your second language and like what your parents did to prioritize English, um, which happens to so many of our children when they hit school or even like before school for so many of us, like who parents are trying to figure out how to ease our transition into like, the world, this white supremacist world, that like just trying to ease it is like this focus on English language. And when did you realize like, I, I'm good at this? Um, I, I think, I don't, I don't know. I, actually, can I reframe that question yes. just a little bit? Because when you were, when you were, ta- when you're talking about that, I remember again, um, one of the things that I took out of the book, uh, my mom was very, very proud of the way that I spoke English. Like she bragged about it. She bragged about the words I knew, um, the way I pronounced words. And um, in the eighth grade, uh, we moved in the middle of the year. Like I like it was it was Christmas vacation, and instead of going back to school, we moved from Oklahoma to Maryland. And um, eighth grade like in the middle of the year. And it was the first time I went from being one of a few kids of color. Mm -hmm. And I say that specifically because it was, it was a a college town that we were in. So there were Indian kids and, you know, all this stuff. So, um, so not even talk about black people, but we moved to, to uh, a suburb of DC and I was one of many black children. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to relearn language there. I had to relearn how to speak um, in, 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 in ways that, 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 that made me part of the group, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember how disappointed my parents were because I was dropping the ends of my, my words and I was, you know, fucking around with grammar and, and you know, A-A-V-E. And, and, um, but I remember how my parents taught me to speak English as a means of survival. And I unlearned that same English as a means of survival, as a means of, 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 of gaining community. Um, Cause I saw how the way I spoke was a barrier between me and the people um, that I wanted to, be, that were, my, that were my people. They were, you know, they were me. And, and, and um, I took out a, a specific story because there was no way for me to frame the story without it looking like one of those stories about being bullied by the black kids and mm-hmm. first talking proper. There was no way for me as a person who does words mm-hmm. to make it, to convey exactly what I meant by that. And I'm doing it now, but 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 knowing that, that the way, that having to unlearn what my parents taught because they needed me to feel a certain way mm-hmm. and knowing that where I wanted to be in my life was where I needed to unlearn the things that I taught. Mm-hmm, I was taught mm-hmm. about language. I mean, you just said so many things that I wanted to pack, like like was triggering things in my brain. One being that idea of like language as community and how as young people and as children, when you, are try- when you try to squish down dialect or you try to squish down um, curse words. Like, so I, I work in, a, I, like I run a school and I remember when I first went to space, like teenage, it's a mixed age environment. So you have five-year-olds in same spaces with teenagers, with 10-year-olds. And like, there's a lot of time they spend time together and teenagers curse a lot, <laughs> you know? I, um, and when I first got into that space and I heard teenagers curse all the time, I was like, 
you got to stop. Like, it's not okay. Like, there's little kids here. Like, I was giving them all these reasons of, like, why it's not okay. And they were respectful around, like, yes, there's little people here. And then I got, the more I was around them, the less sensitive I was to their cursing. I, and then I recognized, like, no, I love to curse. Like, it, I have been, like, my family lore is, like, my first words were curse words. And so it's this kind of, like, I had to check myself around what were my assumptions around what language meant and what language was acceptable and what goes where. You just figured, you just decided that cursing is not a good thing. No. But I curse. Mom. Who's better than me? What? Mom. Mom. Yes? I'm not saying cursing is bad, it's just sometimes inappropriate. If you're going to curse, make sure we're asleep. Make sure of it. Because it's inappropriate for children? Yes. Is there any other person? And I have very good ears. Okay. Is there anywhere else it's inappropriate? In public. Okay. And where is it appropriate to curse? Where is it appropriate to curse? Why I oh gosh, hello. Uh, uh, well, I don't know where it's appropriate to curse. Probably because it's never appropriate to curse. <laughs> the other day you asked me, "Have I ever been cursed out?" What do you mean by that? Hey, have you ever been cursed out? Yeah. What does it mean to be cursed out? Have you been cursed out? No. So what made you think of that? Did you hear somebody else get cursed out? No. You've just heard the term before? What do you think it sounds like when someone gets cursed out? Mom. Yes. First turn. You gotta turn off the you gotta turn off the mic before you tell me what it sounds like? Yes. Okay, I'll turn off the mic. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And so as you're raising your children and trying to give them space to be like be all of who they are, how do you, what, what are the lessons or what are the messages you tell them around language and what and where and when and like yeah are there are, are you are you are, is there any management around their language it's interesting that you say that um because i um i curse all the time mm-hmm. like i'm i'm a i am a uh, prolific cursor <laughs> anyone who knows me knows this and um i have a 12 year old like i said and I grew up in a household where my father cursed like a champion, right? Like every third curse was, he was masterful. He like embroidered curse words in his sentences. And my mom was this, you know, very sort of staid, sort of, we, yeah, I really prefer not to talk like that. And that didn't happen. Um, we just curse like crazy. My kid, I don't have an issue with him cursing, um, depending on where he's at. My, my main concern for him is, know know your audience know your environment know where you're at you know um but there's another level that i wanted to talk about when you were just saying what you were saying there's a whole other level that impacts people of color mm-hmm. right so little white stevie can be like oh, fuck mom shit i don't want this goddamn canola bar mom shit god damn it <laughs> right like jamal ain't doing that shit because Jamel will get knocked the fuck out. Because <laughs> you ain't embarrassing me in front of these white people in the middle of Whole Foods. I real will talk, fuck you up. Real you know what I'm saying? So that's like, real talk. Holes, that's real talk. Whole levels. Yes. Whole levels of what's acceptable. Yes. Depending on socioeconomic status, depending on, on, on and you know, feel my son has had the conversation with me. We are in this predominantly white situation here. Mind your mind your volume. Mind your. We've had those conversations. I hate that we have to have those conversations. I hate that I am an agent of respectability respectability po- politics. I am undoubtedly one hundred percent admitting that. 
I absolutely tell him we're in this situation. Mind your, mind your tone, mind your, you know, and I can't help that because a part of me is like, fuck the white gays. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to raise a free black child. I shouldn't worry about what they're, th- they're saying. But the problem is, is that the white gays can kill him if he's not on his P's and Q's in their neck of the woods, which is everywhere. It's everywhere. So I do that dance between I'm raising a free black child and you better act right because your act right is going to save you and he's going to make sure that your black ass comes home to me safe and warm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't have the the dance that white people have that room to dance. I don't, he has to figure out where to act and how to act. And he has to be on top of that. And he has to learn quick and he has to learn early. Can, can I yeah. jump in? I, I, jump I, in. I think that Both feet. I think that with many, with many things, the term respectability politics, I don't think is inherently negative, but people have weaponized mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you teaching Theo, can I say his name? Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't talk about Mike. I don't talk, yeah, I know. I don't talk I know. about you. Like, I'm like yeah. nervous now. I'm like, yeah, should yeah. I tell him that I'm doing a parenting <laughs> podcast? Um, but I think that there's nothing wrong with preparing your child for the world that exists. And I think so many people want to theoretically raise children in a world that doesn't exist yet. It just doesn't exist yet. And if that means protecting them in that way, um, being respectable in and of himself, respectable in the house that you've raised, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Bossy and Issa got me thinking. I'm wondering, like, is it are, is there a difference because I'm raising girls, even though our girls are just as at risk, um, and there are things that obviously I think about is raising black children. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, but it, the cursing hasn't been that hasn't meant the same thing um, to me. For me, again, it's about um, the southernness of it, mm-hmm. which is if you are 75 and you years old and you're talking to a 90 years old that 90 year old that's still miss ma'am whatever so that is you know just good manners we were talking earlier about manners and so it is never appropriate to curse in front of elders where i'm from just it is just not and so my mother did not curse in front of my grandmother even though they both cursed they just she yeah. just didn't curse in front of her mother because you just didn't do it and i never cursed in front of my mother. And so somewhere along the way in the last couple of years, see my youngest is well almost 16. So around the time she was 12 or 13, I can't remember how I found, I don't know if she slipped up or I saw a text message, but I was like, oh, you curse like a sailor. <laughs> Which is interesting because her dad and I, we never cursed around them. But of course they get yeah. it other mm-hmm, places. Mm-hmm. And my kids curse prolifically now mm-hmm. apparently so mm-hmm. <laughs> more and more at but home, not in front of you no it slipped you know it'll slip out now like oh and then now they'll do a thing where they'll like okay i gotta tell you the story but it, can i curse and i'm like okay you can curse mm-hmm. and they're like okay fine yeah, yeah, or they yeah. send me the memes they have the curse word. so like it's a different kind of thing but i would be horrified if my children cursed in front of an older black person mm-hmm. i just I, yeah. I would die it's I so die. i mean everything you guys are saying <laughs> I have experienced, yeah. Well, the the whole thing about language and sounds, I I will make sure that my son will call you Miss Disha. Right. But if there's a white woman, she he ain't calling her Miss Nothing. Her her name is either Mrs. Ferguson, yeah, or Anne. But it ain't Miss Nothing. Right. And he will only show that deference to a black woman because yes. the roots of that, of little kids calling grown as right. black people, little, you know, white kids right. growing, boy, and no, we're not doing that. Right. So again, with the whole respect about res- respectability politics and language, then I go to the other side where it's like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Right. The cul- it's, cult- it's cultural. It's very yes. cultural. I, yeah. It's very all, cultural. And I think there's a place where we can, un- like, I want us to think a lot about when we say things are cultural mm-hmm. and where deep, embedded in that is oppression. And so the idea of preparing your child for the world that they live in, yes. Communicating that's what you're doing, that's the breaking down of the respectability. Like I'm doing this because white supremacy is a thing, not because you're wrong, not because the way we function is fucked up, because we are gonna figure this shit out. And I think the more that we as parents, as black parents, as parents of color can like take the veil away and like be a hundred with our young people, which requires being a hundred with ourselves. Like those spaces of like where 
I curse in front of my mother now, um, but not as like, the way that it happens is like when I'm fully invested in a story, I'm like just lost in myself, I'm a curse. Yeah. When I'm my most authentic self, I'm going to curse. Yeah. When I got to a space where I'm like, I'm gonna be my most authentic self with my mother, that's then she'll look at me like Malika and I'm like sorry ma and we'll keep it moving it's not like oh my gosh you gotta stop it's the word it's like we're having real talk now we are actually in community with each other and that and and if someone wants you to call them miss you call them miss if they don't want you to call them miss you don't have to call them it's about being it's about being it's like it's about respecting people versus like there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I think that there is so much around language when it comes to our people where we're taught like there's a right way, which is the white way, which is going to give you access to like this thing. um, And there's a wrong way. Um, And I think we don't talk. And I want to ask you guys enough about what is lost in this elevating of the English language as the way to or like speaking in a particular way. And what I mean by that is there are, I always think about words um, and how when you learn, like I don't know another language. I mean, I know Patois and Jamaican, like I can, like I understand dialects and all that, but I don't, I don't speak another language fluently. And what I realized we went to, we went to Tanzania a couple of years old with the girls. And when we went there, one of the things that like, I love Swahili, like just like how easy the language comes, like how, like so much of it I just loved. I was like, I could learn this. I haven't learned, I was like, I know I, I, know I could figure this shit out. Um, <laughs> and something that came out, is like when we would meet people, they would say, Karabusana. And Asan- and then you respond with Asantisana. And I remember I was like, this is so interesting to me because Karabusana means you're welcome. And Asantisana means thank you. And you say that after. And in the English language, you say thank you, and then if you don't say you're welcome, you'll get in your ass beat. Like, yeah. like you know, like you're taught, <laughs> yeah. you're supposed, like you're disrespect. It yeah. has so much meaning when you don't say you're welcome. And I was in, ten, like you know, in Z- Zanzibar, and I had this thought. I was like, oh, I love this way of being better. That you start with, you're it's good. You don't even have to thank me. I gave this to you. You are welcome. Do you? Bye. Versus the culture I was raised in, that's like I did this for you. You better, you better like so show like you know like you better like appreciate. You better show gratitude and appreciation. And I was like, how can like a way of being a culture be so connected to this way of speaking a brown language? It's been proven in so many different ways that language shapes it, frames your perspective perspective of things you know i know knowing two languages i can feel something completely different in spanish than i feel it in english i can tell you a story in english and elicit emotions from myself and then tell you the same story in spanish and feel completely different emotions Mm -hmm. even though they're still in the range of that story because the language itself it pulls it out of you It, it makes you frame this experience within and it's interesting because, you know, all over the world, there have been studies that show like mm-hmm. people who are withheld language are almost sort of deprived of this sort of milk of human kindness where they, they can't even they can't even thrive. Yeah, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. language really does inform everything around you. And, and, and so much of it, especially when, it, when you when you talk about the spoken word, the way that that we, we, we convey emotion and convey all that stuff with just the tone mm-hmm. of our voice. Mm-hmm. But going back, I spent a lot of time in, four years ago this time, I, I was in, in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So I'm very familiar with Swahili. Mm-hmm. And Swahili was the language. I was like, if I'm going to learn a language, I don't know mine <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I don't learn a language. Yes. I think I got Swahili. I can do that. Yes. But I, I learned... I no longer say you're welcome when somebody says thank you. Mm. I say no worries. I say of mm-hmm. course. I say any t- I say I want them to know that that me whatever they thanked me for, I did it with my whole self. Yes. Like completely, yeah. absolutely, yes. of course. Like yes. of course I would do that thing. Of course I, you know, yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, whatever it is that that yeah. that, that happened. And I I I, I think that's being somebody who works with words and has always been immersed in words, I've uh, very lately I've learned how to 
how much power words have in the way that they're presented. Um, and that's something that my, my kid is much more shy than I am. Mm-hmm. He doesn't curse. He even when he's playing Fortnite, he's very dang it. Oh my! Oh, you with the beep? Like he's, 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 he's that kid, and he has permission to curse around me. He's got permission to curse around me, but he'll. He, I had to. Um, I had to block him from my Instagram stories because I'll curse on it, and he'd be like, "Language." And I'm like, oh, yes, oh, yes, leave me alone. Yes. But I'm. But like, yes. I want him to know how important it is to be able to be your full self yes. using using yes. language. Yes. Because again, I remember what it feels to be him because yeah. mm-hmm. I was trapped between like there were words that I hadn't learned in English yet mm-hmm. that I was starting to forget in Yakur mm-hmm. and there was that space that was so frustrating yes. to me and so I never want to be in that position again mm-hmm. but I also want to reframe the way that I use language mm-hmm. um, the way that I wrote the book and, and defying so many of the conventions of mm-hmm. writing because that's not the way it feels mm-hmm. it does yeah. not feel this way yeah. Um and I want you to feel it. I don't want you to understand it just, you know, merely. So I don't know how we got on that subject. No, yeah. you're sharing. Yes. You're sharing. The only thing that I would say is that um, I learned um, most of my parenting techniques from what not to do mm-hmm. from my parents. And I think one of the reasons why I allow my son to curse is that when he's cursing in that moment, he's being his most authentic mm-hmm. self. And he's allowing me a glimpse into who he is and who he, th- how he thinks and what he's feeling. And so if I can put my sort of, you know, cringy sort of feelings aside about my little baby boy, this fetus that I carried cursing at me or not at me, but, you know, mm-hmm. cursing about whatever mm-hmm. it is that he's upset about, usually Trump, um, mm-hmm. then I can glimpse his authentic self yeah. and he, that he's he's showing me um, but if I put a, the kibosh on that, then he closes the door to, door to who he really is, and I don't want that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's why I want I want you to curse. <laughs> Come on, man! Can you just curse? But, but like there, there are moments when, and again, because our dynamic is different, we live with my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we were. I, I I don't call myself a single parent because my entire family mm-hmm. is raising this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone is in on this. Uh, even though, you know, I'm partnerless, I guess. Um, But I do see the way that his brain kind of processes everything and he doesn't want to say the thing. Um, And even when, again, when when he's done something and I'm trying to discipline him, and he, I can see how bottled he is. He just wants to tell me the thing, but he's somehow programmed himself to say that he could, he can't say it, or he doesn't know how to say it, yeah. or like he does this he's thing. He's afraid where he's of your like, reaction to right, him. He'll, he'll just be like, I don't, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. It's like yeah. I, you do, and I'm getting frustrated. Yeah, you yeah, do yeah, know because yeah. you did the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. you did it. Just yeah. tell me why. And, yeah. and 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 trying to give him permission to be full in that way. I yeah. wish he cursed around me or cursed at all, mm-hmm. but he he won't. And and we're actually, you know, he's, I, I, he's in, th- I don't want to talk about him because mm-hmm. he's going to be so like, why are you talking about me? Mm-hmm. Um, But like, he's in therapy mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the way that now, like he got a, a, a grade that he never would have gotten any other time a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him what happened. And usually he'd he start to get really scared and like internalize everything. But he was like, I didn't study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were you were on your book tour and <laughs> I didn't study. I got free. I got free. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I thought I was gonna go. Oh yeah. Like, but he was like, <laughs> we ain't got a bag. But he was I'm like community college. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, he was like, he was like, I didn't study. I thought when I got there, I knew what I was doing. And then I saw the test. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And then it was too late. But uh-huh. like for him to say to all of that, out. I mean, yeah. I took his phone, but mm-hmm. like, I was like, sure. I can't even really be mad at you because you actually sure. told me yes. the thing and I got to give you props for that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Disha. So I, I don't know if it's about language per se or just communication, but like when I've found that I've kind of gotten at the end of sort of myself as a parent and like, you know, there's a situation going on. I found that I've said to both of my kids who are very different kids, very different circumstances. And I finally just say to them, can we just keep the lines of communication open? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, you know, I can't, uh, you know, 
you know how I feel about these things. You know what my concerns are. I know what you're dealing with. At the end of the day, that's all I really ask is just, you know, I'm not asking you to make me any promises about different things. You're going to live your life. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things I don't want you to do. Please, can we keep the lines of communication open? I just want to hear from you. I just want to know what you're thinking. I just want to know when you're scared. I want to know when you're confused. I want to know when you have regrets and and I'm here and maybe I can help. Mm-hmm. Just just keep and so, you know, something came up recently and you know, one of my kids, I think she thought that I was just going to be like over the top mad about something and I said, "The thing that I'm disappointed about is that you didn't talk to me." Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, that's mm-hmm. what that's all I, that I ask. And so and then you know, they'll flip it on you though because Something will come up, and they're like, "Well, you wanted me to. You said you wanted mm-hmm. to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I did say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and you, so you say that you you uh-huh. have to be true to your word. Yes, you know. Yes, yeah. and that and to know that communication and language are not synonymous. Yeah, that there are so many ways that our young people yes. are trying to show us. Yes. Right, like so when we think about, you know, will he say this or will she talk about this or does she have? Sometimes they're telling us. In so many different Absolutely, ways, yeah. and how we, I mean, just keep giving them the tools of this mm-hmm. language that they're in, and then also like be open to all the ways. Thank you all so much Thank for being you. here with sure. us. Um, really appreciate it. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stand up, bustin' and fighting. Thank you for listening. We wish you the best of luck along your parenting journey. And know that I have your back. In the morning, in the evening too. This podcast was produced by Domino Sound. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.